Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of The Wrap right here on the Fight Game Media Network. I am struggling to keep it together because of pre-production antics by my co-host, but we're here recapping the 2022 edition of Survivor Series War Games. No brand supremacy, thank God for that. And it's very good to spend this early Sunday morning with you all. I'm Keela Cash, and by my side, as always, is my co-conspirator this week, my co-captain, my right-hand man, the sometimes advocate for the rapidly improving Von Wagner. I bring to you, as always, at least once a month on the free feed. I on the free feed, I should say. I present to you, as always, as I struggle to get through this introduction. I present Perky Scott Young, who broke me before the air. Hello, Perky. Thank you, Keela. It's always a pleasure to <laughs> chop it up and talk all things WWE. That was a great introduction. I thought you did a great job. Your composure is incredible. Just a, a fine captain. Oh, my captain. Uh, this is going to be a great conversation. I can't wait. Um, you know, let's let's just dive right into it, right? I know you like to jump into the basketball talk. You know, I know you like to you like to talk about the basketball. Let's talk about the basketball as we record this right now. LeBron at thirty nine, just a quick seven for twelve from the three. Nothing, nothing major. Just a normal day at the office. What's going on with the Hawks? Okay, first of all. <laughs> You had like one really good week, so congratulations to you. <laughs> I I will stand up and say good job for the Lakers for climbing up a spot in the standings. You're now in 13th position. <laughs> I don't acknowledge my Hawks right now. They lost very badly to Houston on Friday night. It was a despicable defeat that I will not discuss on this show. But on the plus side, my Golden State Warriors are now at 500 they're 10 and 10 i heard that don't don't you do that you shady shady person you they're at 500 they're in the 10th spot right now they're nine and one at home one and nine on the road they gotta fix that awful horrendous your lakers are not much better you're like what two and six on the road so we both need improvement on the road but for this week we've made progress in the right direction towards playing situations and maybe more down the road yeah it looks like everybody pissed off clay thompson enough for him to start actually playing again so that could be a problem yes he's been really good and i'm very glad to see that clay back because i didn't recognize that other person pretending to shoot shots and they missed all of them yeah he uh definitely wasn't definitely wasn't himself but he he's back draymond's apparently shooting better than he's ever shot it's a good recipe right now. Hope they lose more games. They won't, unless they're on the road, and then all bets are off, and even I don't have faith in them right now. But hopefully things will get better as we get closer to Christmas, which is my favorite time of year. But before we dive into Survivor Series, we got to talk about some ancillary things going down on WWE social media and Friday Night SmackDown on Fox from Friday night. But we got to talk about... The Thanksgiving video that dropped courtesy of Dominic Mysterio and his mommy, Rhea Ripley, as they paid a visit to his father, Ray Mysterio's home. Angie opens the door first, and she's not having this shit. And then the magic happens when Ray Mysterio pulls up wearing his house mask because you never know when company's coming over with the live camera. Yeah, and also the camera didn't capture, but there was a 
there's a, you know, they have the little thing that you put your, your coats on. You got your coat rack. He's got a mask rack. So, you know, just depending on the weather, uh, the occasion, he's got a different mask depending on where he's going. If he's just, you know, you know, he's got his bedroom clothes, you know, if he's got his robe on, he's got his robe mask. That was his Thanksgiving dinner mask, you know, if he's going to answer the door just in case somebody was coming. And then you got Dom, you know, Dom's like, yeah, you know, I got my girl. He's like, Yo, you trying to play me in front of my girl? Like, what's going on, dude? You're not going to carry me like that. And Rhea like, yeah, that's not going down. We coming in. Moms was like, look, I tried to kick him out, Ray. Then you want to come over and try to be the man. So I'm going to just come over here and watch. I'm not going to help you. I'm not going to go get nothing and go attack them. I'm not going to go get the frying pan and smash them over there. I'm going to just watch because I tried to kick him out. And you was like, nah, honey, I got it. Well, you got it all right. You got that tail whoop. You are officially the worst father of the year. Why am I rooting for you, Ray? Why would I root for you? I want him to put your other leg in the boot. Now you got, and I want you to have two boots. Then you won't be coming back at all until you become a better father. You need to take Titus O'Neil's fathering classes, 101 and 102. He needs to take a six-month class on how to be a better on how to be a better father. Because first of all, you let Rhea Ripley just bust through your door. Well, and then you let your son what are you gonna do whoop your that? ass. What are you gonna do about Rhea though? Like you know, honestly, what are you gonna do about Rhea busting through the door? Can't Angie fight? <laughs> Can't she swing Angie something? Okay. I believe that Angie don't play. Angie's about her Louis Vuitton and her ass whoopings. And I honestly believe she would have yanked Rhea by her roots. But Ray was the man, right? Man of the house. He was going to handle business, kick his son out, and he failed. And he allowed his son to beat his ass with a broomstick. A broomstick on his bad ankle. And then you got beat in front of your wedding portrait. And they blurred the picture of Ray's face, which I laughed at. We had the family portraits watching over this entire scene. We had anonymous kids over watching their uncle, perhaps, or some relative of theirs get beat down by their cousin, quite possibly. So this was just a bad scene all around. And Ray was very thoughtful. He had the tree up already getting prepared for Christmas, but That's I'm guessing weird, right? that would, yes, <laughs> he's proactive this time of year. So I, I'm guessing that whatever present he had for Dom would be returned as soon as possible. But I know what he can give his son very soon. A thorough ass whooping at the Royal Rumble. You've got to beat your son's ass, Ray. We're done with this shit. Get the switch and take care of business. He's crossed a line. He's beat you up in front of your wife and anonymous relatives. You have to fight back now. You know, I didn't know about the whole face blurred thing. I might have to go back and check that out. I kind of wish he would have just answered the door without the mask at first. And he would have just came to the door with a blurry face. He'd be like, who's that? And then he puts the mask. Oh, that's right. What do you know? <laughs> yeah, I think that would have been interesting. Also, where was Dominic's sister? Was she there? Now, in canon, she might have been with Murphy. <laughs> we're we're in, in, in the House of Black. <laughs> they have a Thanksgiving dinner at the House of Black. What are they having? How are they having the turkey? I bet it's black. <laughs> that thing is dark. <laughs> oh, um, God. I, I, I guess so. I guess. Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess she's still with Murphy somewhere in the world, right? I guess they went traveling yes. somewhere. So when he left, he took her with him. 
Yes. In canon, they are together somewhere at the House of Black table. We got Malachi cutting the turkey. We got Julia Hart with the cranberry sauce. Oh, my God. I don't know. Oh my God. I don't know what Brody I don't know what Brody King is doing at the moment. He might be taking care of the mashed potatoes and gravy and Murphy's doing things. Okay. Well, there you go. So so there's that, you know. Hey, listen, these judgment day and House of Black parallels are paralleling today, okay? <laughs> they're they're right in line with each other. The parallels are paralleling, just saying. Now, as we have that in the back of our heads quite the visual right we also got to talk about what happened on smackdown we made a boat prediction on the show last week regarding ricochet versus braun Strowman, the flippy flop battle of 2022 who would come out on top in the smackdown world cup to face gunther for the ic title at a date to be determined Santos escobar punches ticket by beating i believe butch this past friday and we kind of guessed what would happen with Ricochet and Braun Strowman. A message would be sent by way of Triple H because Braun Strowman tweeted something very dumb a few weeks ago after Crown Jewel, declaring that his match against Omos was, according to Michael Cole, a five-star classic that was the ultimate shade to read him on the air. And then we have this match last night, and Braun is dominant throughout. And then, as we expected, Gunther comes out alongside Ludwig Kaiser and Giovanni Vinci to distract Braun long enough for Ricochet to actually pin Braun Strowman with the crucifix pin for the win to advance to the finals of the World Cup to face Santos next Friday on SmackDown on FS1. It's a Lucha Underground redo. Looking forward to that. But most importantly, our prediction came true. Now, it's not all bad news for Braun Strowman as he would most likely face Gunther for the Nakano Championship at the Royal Rumble if they decide to wait that long. Yeah, and, you know, I, I know Braun Strowman is not everybody's cup of tea, and I, I get that, you know, and he definitely doesn't do himself any favors literally any time he opens his mouth. Um, but I, I, he definitely brings something to the table. You know, Keela and I were having a conversation off air just kind of talking about, like, just the, you know, what he does bring to the table. And people people care about what he does. Like, he has a presence to him. He's a big guy. No, he's not. He's not. He ain't got no wheels on him, but he can move a little bit for a bigger guy. And you know, WWE is not the land of giants anymore. So somebody like Braun Strowman stands out. Um, he's shown that he can have a good match. I mean, he he got a good, a really good match out of Omos, and that says something about Braun Strowman. Like there is absolutely a place for him. And you know, but this, I think, this goes to show like they. They're like, yeah, it's okay for you to lose this, Braun, because we got bigger plans for you. Because I think you're right, Keela. It's either going to be at the Royal Rumble when when he does this, or um, it'll be on some SmackDown special that'll be built up. But he's definitely going to get the shot. And I also said that I I think he beats Gunther. Like, and I, and I don't want him to. I don't think that's the right move. But you know, I don't know, man. Unless you're going to have Gunther face John Cena and you want Cena to win, but you don't want Cena to win the IC title or something like that for WrestleMania, I don't see any reason to take the title off Gunther. But I don't know why you would build this matchup this way to have Braun lose. You know, to have it be so, like, you know, Gunther doesn't want to face him so bad and he goes through all these hoops and obstacles and then just to have Braun lose. I don't know if you want to do that. But you could do that because Braun could take that loss. So... That's what I mean by Braun brings something to the table. He can take those types of losses, and it's okay. 
And I would prefer that outcome of Braun losing because I still think there's value in Sheamus versus Gunther part three. I would still love to see Sheamus beat Gunther for the IC title at some point, maybe at a WrestleMania, if they decide to go in that direction. My only thing is I just want this match between Strowman and Gunther to be even. I want it to be Strowman selling for Gunther sell the chops, take the hits, take the blows. And I don't want Gunther running away from Strowman. That was my main issue from last week's SmackDown. It made him look weak. And Gunther is anything but that. He's a badass. He shrinks from no one. I don't give a damn how big they are. He's not going to run away from Braun Strowman. To me, the booking wasn't realistic. Now, if we get down to it and the booking's even and they're both built up strongly, I can buy into the match. I think it could actually be great. But They've got to book our guy stronger than what they did with him last week because it was really, really bad. No, I, I absolutely agree with you on that. And I think, um, you know, and I think the match itself will be. I think once the match actually starts and they get into it, because we we both acknowledge that if Gun, you know, if Braun doesn't doesn't want to sell that chop, Gunther is going just going to actually chop him for real. He's just going to chop the hell out of him. Until he just has no choice but to drop down. It's like, yo, you're going to eat this chop and we're going to do this right or I'm going to keep eating that chest up and it's just going to be purple by the time this match is over. And uh, I just want to point out, like, I don't want Gunther to make that man bleed like a she did Jericho and Dynamite this past Wednesday. <laughs> well, I mean, if he, if he, in the words of, 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 uh, of uh, what's the Russian's name from Rocky Four? if he bleeds, he bleeds. Well... I'll accept that. It's quite honestly what he deserves after no selling last week. I need like a little vessel to pop safely, of course, and he can bleed and I can take that visual. But hopefully it doesn't come down to that. Just sell the chops and we're good to go. And that could be a very great match down the road, preferably at the Warrior Rumble. But before we get to the Rumble, we got to talk about the final PLE for the main roster this year. Survivor Series War Games going down live from the TD Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. I thought this was a show of many highs and lows, but I got to say, when we came together last year for our first major show, which happened to be Survivor Series, we kind of buried the show because it was Raw versus SmackDown, brand supremacy, that bullshit that really never landed for the last five or six years. This year was about War Games, which was better, but dare I say, it still felt a little empty with very few exceptions. Dare I say hot take incoming. I was actually, I would have been probably more looking forward to some of them SmackDown versus Raw matches. Like Ronda versus Bianca Belair is kind of intriguing to me. Seth Rollins versus Gunther would have been a banger. That would have been a hell of a match. Like I, I get it. You know, they were, they were meaningless, but there was just simple ways to make them meaningful. You had a women's match and a men's match. Whoever wins the match gets the number 30 spot in the Royal Rumble. It's simple. It's easy. You could do that every single year, especially with the SmackDown versus Raw. You only have one SmackDown versus Raw match each. It's it's easy. You could easily do that to make them mean something. I'm gonna tell you this. I really miss the traditional five on five. I, I I mean, some people may not have. I really miss that traditional elimination five on five Survivor Series match. Like, it just felt like something was missing tonight. It did. And I think that we still need some stakes to these matches, some weight to really carry this pay-per-view moving forward. And I like the War Games concept. I'm going to be a little blasphemous in saying that 
NXT did it better. It just had a better flow in terms of match layout. And I know we did our bonus show on the Patreon and we kind of read the 2019 men's war games match, but it was more exciting than some of what we got last night on the show in terms of they kept things moving. They had 20,000 tables, but at least they all crashed and imploded and it kind of made sense. This just felt very hollow and it was a lot of time being killed. A lot of nothing was happening during these matches. It just was a way to tick, 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 tick the time down until the last person got into the match, which was great. But I just felt like I was going through the motions watching this show for the most part. Well, it's all about the story. Like when you when you talk about those NXT matches, they were built up in a way where the dominant faction, which was normally on the men's side, the undisputed elite, whenever they would whenever they ever they would be this dominant faction, the, the baby faces that would rise up against them would all have a purpose. The the lead babyface, whoever that captain was, was going after the NXT title. And the army he selected were people that were wronged by them. Either they were going after the tag titles, like the like the War Raiders were at one point, when Ricochet was going after the North American title. Like there were there were stories that were built up, and it was a reason for William Regal to come out and say, "All right, y'all can't contain this in the ring. Then we have to do war games because we're going to put it into this." Like there was a reason for it. when they did the women's war games match. The whole thing was built around two huge stories that came out of the match that we just didn't get in this match. And that's what stands out. Like we talked, like we reviewed that match on the Patreon, go check it out, join the Patreon. Um, and we talked about that story that they told the, the Rhea Ripley, you know, just kind of emergence and dominance in that match. The, the Dakota Kai turn on Tegan Knox. All of that was a story and it was a reason it was building up Rhea to overcome the odds and overcome the dominant and monster champion Shayna Baszler. Like, there's a story behind the reason. We got this because it was November and they wanted to put the War Games on Survivor Series. And the story was inside of the team. It had nothing to do with the War Games itself. And that was the problem. As we segue into our first match involving Team Bianca Belair versus Team Damage Control. And this is Bianca Belair, Alexa Bliss. We got Asuka alongside Mia Yim. And the returning Becky Lynch from Friday Night SmackDown versus Bailey, Io Sky, Dakota Kai, Rhea Ripley, and Nikki Cross. And the main issue I had with this match at War Games is the fact this feud goes back to SummerSlam and it's been going on for a very long time. And Bianca's beaten Bailey in all of their in their Raw Women's Championship matches. We've seen it time and time again. The matches are very good, but the outcome is obvious. And I will always go back to the Monday Night Raw in Pittsburgh prior to Clash of the Castle when it should have been Io Sky and Dakota Kai winning over Raquel Rodriguez and Aaliyah. And they did not. And Triple H decided, let's swerve you guys for a few weeks. So when two weeks later, and to me, that immediately stunted Damage Control's growth as a viable faction that can really get over. And it's been a struggle ever since. Individually, they're talented as a collective. I still feel that something is missing. And sometimes it takes time to really build up the chemistry, to really get them to where they need to be. But the booking and the 
very long nature of this rivalry between Bianca Belair and Bailey has really dragged things down. And I kind of saw that reflected in this match last night. Well, I think the other thing is this is not the same audience that you can put three really good to great workers in Dakota Kai, Io Sky, and Bailey in a group and have them continuously lose yet get over. Like you can do that in NXT because that's how that's what that crowd is receptive to. You know, that's that crowd latched onto those type of characters. That's how people like Sami Zayn and Bailey got started because they were these underdogs who would lose but show fight. And like you could do that even with the heels. But when you go to the main roster, like that's a different audience. That audience you have to win. Like that's that's how they take you serious. You know, it don't you being a good to great worker is only going to get you so far. You have to start winning matches. And I think that's kind of a I, I think this is really a testament to that because damage control has been damaged from the jump and there has been no control over it. Like it's just been continuously. They they take these losses all like Bailey's Bailey's Bailey herself, the leader of the group, has probably lost more than any of them. And it's like, how do you take a group serious when the leader is the one taking most of the losses? Um, I mean, we're going to talk about it tonight, but spoiler alert, the, both tag champs get pinned. Like, what is that? That was a surprising. Choice. <laughs> a choice. That's my word. It was a choice. I don't know if it was a good choice. <laughs> I, I, You know, something. I have to think to myself, Let's try to protect someone in this match. And no one was protected in damage control. They ate the loss. Spoiler alert. We're sorry in advance. But it just goes to what can we do to fix this crew? The booking has got to get better. And I also got to call out Bailey. I love Bailey. But you can't tell me that Thunderdome Bailey did not hit different versus whatever we're getting right now because it's two completely different people. And I don't know what's missing in terms of the character and presentation. I feel like I'm going back to three years ago when she first cut the hair and she was this moody, broody heel that I didn't care about. And then we lost the people due to the pandemic. We had an empty arena era at the PC. And finally, she figured things out. I don't know what she can do to get back to that by being a hybrid of two things that would get her over as a character because she's so good in the ring. But to me, there's something missing with the character and it's just dragging this crew down even more. Well, I think you're alluding to the Sasha Banks effect. I mean, Sasha Banks was a big part of that character, her being able to play off of that. And, you know, the, there was a kind of a, a, a different dynamic with there too, because she was also playing off of Michael Cole. Like she was literally in the ring playing off of Michael Cole's commentary. So her not having people to play, like she, she's not playing off of Dakota Kai. Like she's not playing off of EO Sky. There, the chemistry isn't there like it was for her. And she's also like, she's trying to be this killer who doesn't win. You know what I mean? Like she's talking about being this dominant group that doesn't win. So, but then when she was talking about it, she was a double champion. Like, there's just different layers to this whole thing with Bailey, and you know it, it's it's not her fault because she's she's just the booking, but it's you can't take her serious. But she's just so good that she's able to make up for. It. But like I said, that's only going to get you so far. Exactly. As we kick the match off with Bianca Belair and Dakota Kai, the action was good. 
for the five minutes they killed. Bianca was dominant. I love that for her. Suplexing, sending Dakota Kai into the steel cage repeatedly. And Dakota Kai has maintained her rep of taking the most craziest bumps in a War Games match. It's three years in a row now. She's a daredevil. I respect her for that. Io Sky gets in the match next to even the odds for her team. And I love Io Sky. On this night, she was off. There was a double knees attempt in the corner to Bianca Belair that failed four times. I don't know what happened. She's been in every women's war games match dating back to NXT. And I don't know what caused this malfunction at the junction. Yeah, it's just, you know, just an off night. It happens. It happens literally to the best of them. And, um, you know, her her track record is, is does speak better. And she made up for it. Like, as the match got on, it, it started to get going. And I completely forgot about it by the end. But... Yeah, it was definitely a rough start. There was some rough spots to the match. You know, we talked about the twenty nine, bringing up the twenty nineteen one again. We talked about that on the Patreon, and we used the word egregious. I don't know if this was quite egregious, but there was a lot of just let's just do stuff moments. It felt like to me, like stuff was just happening just to happen. There was no flow, um, at least until the last five minutes of the match, which I thought was absolutely perfect. I thought it was spot on, great way to cap off the story. But everything before that was just, let's just do stuff. And it was noted by Brian Alvarez from the Wrestling Observer that this match was used as a way to puff up the video packages for future war games. I get that. But I don't need you to do a match just to promote future matches for Survivor Series. I need you to put some thought into the layout and psychology of the match and not do spots for the sake of a video package for next year. I get the fact that you don't want to lean into NXT, but guess what? NXT has some great fucking war game matches that I don't want to discount. They're there for a reason. They're on Peacock. I can pull it up anytime. The 2019 match you keep bringing up is for a reason because it was great. And I would love for you to play that footage because a lot of people are in the company who was a part of that match three years ago. Lean into that history. Rhea Ripley, Bianca Belair, Io Sky, Dakota Kai, they were all in that match. Shayna Baszler, I will go on and on and on. But they were a part of a match that still stands up as one of the greatest women's matches in WWE history. Play that in your video package. I don't need you stuffing stuff in for the sake of what you're going to do for next year's war games for highlight reel purposes. I didn't like that at all. No, I, I completely get that. And again, it goes back to what I said. It's all about that story that they told. They created, they had a star and created a mega star in Rhea Ripley on that night, the way she overcame the odds and dominated. And you know, this this didn't create that. And this didn't feel like that throughout. Like, there wasn't a story throughout. Like, the, there was a, a story throughout that entire match that we talked about. Like, whether it was the turn or whether it was Rhea Ripley and Candice LeRae just fighting from fighting the odds. As much as I don't like Candice LeRae, she played her part perfectly. She started the match and had to literally fight from the beginning to the end. And that's also something I wanted to touch on with this. There were little things I did like. I, I didn't completely dislike everything about it. Like, I like that Bianca Belair, the captain, the lead babyface on the on the brand, top babyface on WWE. I, I'm throwing that out there. I'm gonna continue throwing that out there. Um, I like that she started the match and went the distance. I think that's that's a great lead babyface type thing to do. And I like that Bailey was number four. I was like, yeah, I'm not gonna do that. 
I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna chill back here and just kind of relax a little bit. So little things like that. I thought the, I thought the strategy was good. You bring your tag champs in first uh, for the for the for the heels, and then for the for the uh, for the good guy, and then for uh, Bianca's team. I, I see. I you know you start with Bianca, then you start bringing in the other. Oscar comes in. That's a lot of energy. So I I like the I like the idea of all that. But again, it's just stuff happening. No flow, just stuff. A lot of stuff. Then Nikki gets in after Oscar, and I will give Nikki Cross credit. I have missed crazy Nikki, and damn it, she was crazy last night, going up top of the cage, delivering her crossbody to everybody, including her teammates, in a great spot. She was crazy last night, and I love that energy. I want more of that on the main roster. I miss crazy Nikki Cross because that's where she's at her best. Shout out to Alexa Bliss, who was on fire during this match when it was her time to get in there to handle her business. I did sneak some shade at the end because you're supposed to be happy when you win. And I felt tension in the ring. I'll get to that shortly. Then Mia Yim comes in there. She's playing her part very well. Bailey comes in there as the leader in the fourth position. And then the final two entrants are Rhea Ripley and Becky Lynch. And the Becky-Bailey exchange didn't get a lot of heat for whatever reason. But when Rhea Ripley stepped up to Becky Lynch, that got heat and I loved it. I mean, Rhea's a star. Rhea Ripley is has money-making feuds ready to go. Becky Lynch, whenever they decide to have her go for the title. Um, I think Bailey is a nice feud for Becky Lynch going forward, especially since Bailey can take the loss. She can take multiple losses. Rhea doesn't need to be losing. You can you can still do this in a way without having them lose. Um, so I, I think Bailey will be a nice a nice feud for Becky Lynch going forward. Uh, as far as Bianca goes, you know, it's, it's it's tempting to go into the Rhea Ripley thing, but I just feel like if you do Rhea Ripley versus Bianca, Rhea's got to win. Like she, people want to see her really mix it up. And I think people would be really into her in a title program. I agree. You can see the energy change when they were working together and against each other. And I think that is money heading into WrestleMania if they hold off that long, because I think that will be the change people will want to see. Bianca held the title for a year. She can drop it at WrestleMania to Rhea Ripley, and then we can move on from there. And they can build up this trilogy, this rivalry that can really stand the test of time in WWE for the women's division. But Rhea Ripley was a force, headbutting people, whooping ass accordingly. I loved it. A highlight was her actually landing the Riptide on Becky Lynch, Oscar breaks up the cover, and then Oscar surprises everybody by misting Rhea Ripley with blue mist. And I'm gonna say this with a straight face: she turned Rhea Ripley into a badass Smurfette. Let me guess: you want to give this Smurfette some cheddar biscuits too, huh? You know, I always have them on standby for Rhea Ripley because you know I can't say no to mommy. But yes, she looked like a, a Smurfette on this night. And can we also, and also it wasn't Miss, as Corey Graves called it, it was poison, poison spray or something. <laughs> poison, he said it was like some, some poison gas or poison spray or something. I was like, dude, what, what, what are you, what is she supposed to start gagging on the mat or something and get rolled out the cage? What do you mean it's poison? What are you talking about, man? Like, that's I wouldn't even listen to the commentary, and I just happened to hear him say, "Oh, she got sprayed with the poison." What? What are you talking about? He was just making things up and just making talking. it so. 
overly complicated. Like, dude, it's blue mist. Shut the fuck up and move on. For these moments, I cannot wait until Pat McAfee comes back. Please, God, come back. Once football season is over on the college front, come back, Pat. Please save me from commentary because Corey Graves dancing around what blue mist is took me out. Another highlight was everybody suplexing everybody in the corner at one point. Then we have EO Sky redeeming herself by delivering a batshit crazy moonsault off the top of the cage to Bianca Belair and, and Mia Yim, which I appreciated to get her back in the flow of things after having a rough go at first. Then Rhea Ripley sends Mia Yim into a ladder and they crash through that bridge. But then we got... Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss handcuffing each other for reasons. That was a kind of curious spot. And then she's going to send Nikki into an electric chair on a trash can. But Alexa takes the bump worse than Nikki. Okay. Again, stuff just happening. The hand. When Rhea and Shayna used the handcuffs, there was a purpose. There was a story. There was a flow. They they just they just brought you thought I forgot you thought I forgot I got the handcuffs <laughs> like that's that's literally what happened she she was like you thought I forgot and she brought out the handcuffs and, and those are really long handcuffs by the way <laughs> that chain on those handcuffs was really long so I again I. Stuff was just happening, man. Like even the moonsault, it. She just got up there, and it just <laughs> happened. <laughs> like, it, 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 okay. And so I, I will say this: there was another spot that I liked. I liked the big fake out where they normally do the big Tower of Doom spot, then they didn't do the Tower of Doom spot, and everybody just got knocked off. Or maybe that's when EO got to the top. She did. She did. Okay, because I, I remember her not being around for a while, and then she was just up there, and here she comes with a moonsault. I'm like, there's something else that just happened. Like, stuff was just... And I, great, great action. The women worked really hard, but it was just a, it was just stuff happening for me, you know, just for me, personally. I don't disagree with you. A lot of stuff just happened. And then the end of the match kind of threw me off too because we had Dakota and EO flipping out of finishers. Like, okay, so we're going to hit the KOD and the manhandle slam. But why are we flipping out of finishers to get to the next spot? Just hit the spot tandem-wise and be done with it. I thought it was overly choreographed in my estimation, but easily by far the highlight was noted high fly here, Becky Lynch. I'm being sarcastic because she doesn't fly very high. My girl got on the very top of this cage. And we have both members of the women's tag team champions on this table splayed out. Bianca Belair takes out Bailey with the KOD against the cage. That might have been the most unspectacular KOD I've ever seen in my life. And I love Bianca Belair, but that did nothing for me either. But the highlight was Becky Lynch flying 15 feet in the air with a leg drop to Dakota Kai, who absolutely ate that finish for the win. And as Scott alluded to before the end of this match, spoiler alert, damage control gets beat. To quote my tag team partner, Nikki Cross is right there. But, oh no, let's pin one half of the women's tag team champions to give damage control even less credibility. One half? 
She pinned them. She had her leg over the other partner. <laughs> she pinned them both. Ah, oh, damn. <laughs> she didn't pin one half. She pinned both of the tag. She about to be Becky two belts again. <laughs> she about to go and win the tag titles by herself and be Becky two belts by herself. Like, and, and I'm, I mean, you said it. Nikki Cross is right there. She can take the loss. She'll be fine. Like, what? <sighs> it's just, you know, I, I, again, I will say a couple good things. I really enjoyed the final part of the match, and I thought it was a great culmination of the story, seeing Becky and Bianca um, stand toe-to-toe with damage control and kind of lay them out at the end. I I did enjoy that aspect of it. I thought that was a nice culmination of everything. For a second there, I really thought Bianca was about to put Bailey on top of the other two, and she was just going <laughs> to just – Let's just completely destroy the entire thing. <laughs> that's that's genuinely what I thought was going to happen. But, you know, I guess they'll just, we'll only do two of you guys instead of three. We'll save one of you. Two thirds enough. Yeah, two thirds is enough. We could have killed the whole thing last night, honestly. We could have all went their separate ways. <laughs> we could have. We could have ended the whole thing. Like, you know, when this isn't working out, we have amicably decided to break up. And uh, we're going to still be tag team champs because it's our jobs and we're tag team partners. But Bailey has decided to move on. It's like Destiny's child breaking up and they just went solo. And that's fine. That's all right with me. Now, I will say the very end of this matchup, um, we're supposed to be in a uh, a celebratory mood, right? Alexa Bliss wasn't happy. And uh, I, I, I'm trying to figure out, is it one of two things? Is it one, you're about to align with Bray Wyatt, or is it two, you, you still got beef with Becky Lynch because I read the rumors earlier this year. Well, I know I saw her get a moonsault on her leg about three times from like three different people. I know I saw that leg get moonsaulted on at least three times. And at one point... She grabbed Io Shirai or Io Sky grabbed her hair and she smacked Io like, yo, give me a minute. God dang it. <laughs> so I don't know. It could have, there's a whole lot going on with that. Um, who, who doesn't love some good drama? Who doesn't love who doesn't love some good backstage drama? So I uh, I do wonder if there is something more to that. I don't want her to be back with Bray. Let, let Bray just continue to be Bray. Agreed. So after we've uh, dissected this match to limits and levels that we rarely do on this show, and I have to call out the very long handcuffs as well, (laughs) that might have been the cheapest set of handcuffs I've ever seen in my life. Um, Cops and robbers would be offended by those handcuffs. They were so slack (laughs) and so long. And Rhea Ripley would never use that against Dom or with Dom whenever they do their kinky games after the show's over. Just want to clarify that. She would never use those kind of slack-ass, cheap-ass handcuffs. But besides that, Scott, on your salty tier scale, what is your final score for this women's war games match? Oh, man. I'm going to give it I'm going to give it two and a quarter. Uh, I'm going to give it two and a half stars. Two and a half tiers. Two and a half tiers. Okay. I'm going to give it two and three quarters tiers. I'm going to be fair here. It was a match that was disappointing. I felt like they had to overcompensate due to booking 
And we just got a collection of spots for the highlight reel for next year's horror games. And I never want to say that again. I want this match to be booked with psychology, thought, intention, stars being made, which is very important in a match like this. Did not get that. I would love to replay the Women's War Games 2019 to remind myself what it means to build a star, what it means to tell a story, what it means to execute a heel turn properly, and what it means for me to give a shit. Because I did not give a shit emotionally about this match, and I like everyone in this match. But for me, it did not hit emotionally. I mean, why would it when there were three moves from the top of the cage in this match? They did three different moves from the top of the cage. Like, there's so much to digest in this match. And this was the very first match on the show. It's it's just a lot of stuff, man. Just a lot of stuff. And you think it set the tone for the evening, and it it did not. And in a way, it kind of did. Because we were kind of struggling for a bit here. But I want to quickly get to some great bloodline drama backstage with Roman Reigns talking to Jey Uso, his right-hand man, because Jay got the dime on Sami Zayn on Friday Night SmackDown when Sami was talking to Kevin Owens on the side. And when Jay confronted Sami, he says, did you talk to anybody before you arrived here tonight? And Sami lied to Jay's face. And Jay was like a Cheshire cat. Like, I got his ass now. I got the scoop on Sami. I got the dirt. I'm on a snitch. And Roman says, you worry about yourself. You worry about what you're supposed to do in that word games match. Let me handle Sammy. So Sammy enters the room next later in the show. And Roman tells Sammy to sit down and to explain himself. Did you, in fact, talk to Kevin Owens? And Sammy says, I did. He told me that you would turn on me first. But I didn't listen to that advice. And I didn't want to tell Jay because he had that advantage match alongside his brother versus Drew McIntyre and Sheamus. I wanted his head in the game. I didn't want to distract him. But I'm loyal to the bloodline, your family to me. I got you. You can trust me. And Roman believes him. He hugs him. But in front of the camera, behind Sammy's back, you can see Roman thinking to himself, I'm going to kill him one day very soon. Could be tonight. But I love this storyline. And I loved how the bloodline rocked blood red on this night. Yeah, this was a great segment. Um, it's, it's just this. This is this is why this entire thing works. Is you kind of saw each character, you see each person, how they are, and kind of where they are in their story right now, and what they're trying to get across. Like Sammy was phenomenal. Sammy was phenomenal as far as uh, the emotions on his face and just the way that you could tell he. It was all business. There was no oozy stuff from Sammy. And Sammy's always trying to be the funny guy. He's always, you know, keeping the good vibes, good energy. He can be serious, but keeping good in I mean, it was straight up, let's I'm I'm dead serious. Look me in my eyes. And I like that. I liked how Roman played it. I'm gonna look him in the face and he, I'm gonna know everything I need to know. I I liked how Jay played it, especially with what happened at the end of the of the show, which was great too. Um so just a great segment. Loved it. Great foreshadowing for the main event. As we move on to Finn Balor versus AJ Styles. And I love both men a lot. But I am going to replay their match from TLC 
2017 and say with absolute certainty, with last minute notice, with AJ flying halfway around the world to get to Minnesota, this match paled in comparison to, to that match. The match was fine. Um, good raw main event. I, so, I, you know, I, I don't, you know, we, I don't even know. We really even need to talk about the match. It was, it was the same match that we've seen on Monday Night Raw. I do want to talk about the booking, though. Again, the booking. Finn Balor, why is he taking this loss right here? Like, it's not like you're building AJ Styles to go and challenge Roman Reigns. So why is Finn Balor taking this loss when you have a problem building up heels? Who's your next top-level heel after Roman Reigns and Gunther, after your champions? You know, where are you going after that? Because if it was Finn Balor, he just took a loss to essentially a you know an AJ Styles who kind of loses to everybody when he's ever feuding with them. So I just don't understand why you would Finn Balor would lose when you've done such a good job with establishing him as a singles and Judgment Day as a whole. Yeah, the booking was the choice. And we had that absent interference courtesy of Damian Priest. I want to talk about Damian Priest's hair very quickly. So he got a perm. <laughs> and he got a hot comb press. That man's hair was straight, slick, and shining. You know what? Hey, shout out to Damien. Hey, shout out to the hot comb reference. I wonder how many people know what a hot comb is listening to this show. Let me tell you, that thing touched your skin. You would know it. Um, man, you know, I love the dynamic between Dominic Mysterio and Damien Priest. Dominic was getting whooped on the outside, and here comes Big Brother Priest jumping in, like, nah, y'all not jumping, my boy. I I love the dynamic that they formed with Dominic. Like, he has genuinely grown as even just on the outside of the ring. And that's been fun to watch. It was almost more fun to watch than the match. True. I was mesmerized by Priest's hair. It was really straight. <laughs> And the hot comb was hitting. And I know what it feels like to get singed by that hot comb. Mm-hmm. It is some of the worst pain you will ever experience. The, bun- the burn marks are no joke. Okay. But Priest's hair was luxurious. And I was happily distracted as OC alongside Dominic and Priest fought in the crowd. And that was a bit more exciting than this match, which was well worked, but... I felt like they were working at half speed. They had nice counters here and there. They traded Hiroshi Goshis and knee strikes and counters. And we did the sling, the sling blade by Finn Balor and the 1916 AJ Styles goes for a calf crusher. And ultimately, after more counters and reversals, AJ does land the phenomenal forearm on Finn Balor to get the win that I think we both disagreed with because who needs to push more? Finn Balor. Judgment, Dan. No, AJ's been struggling on pay-per-view recently, three years, without a win on pay-per-view as a single star. Definitely a choice. But on this night, who needs a bit more value? It's Judgment Day. Book them as strongly as possible. Get Finn in line for a championship shot, preferably U.S. style heading towards the end of the year, despite the heel-heel dynamic with our new champion. But still, the case remains the same. Yeah, and and I, if the story is that they didn't have Rhea Ripley, so and she's a difference maker, then you need to tell that story. Like there was no mention of that story. That can be the story, and that can be a very good story 
of, again, establishing Rhea as the centerpiece, which is fine. But at the expense of, of Finn Balor, it's just it just feels like a waste of Finn Balor right now. So doesn't make any sense, especially since they have stories to tell. They're just not telling them. Finn Unit disappointed us last night. God dang it. The Finns did not come through. Up, man. man, I'm raving them in mourning right now because he lost. Boo, 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 boo. But this too shall pass. Judgment Day will regroup and they'll be stronger in due time. This match was fine. Your final score Ooh. for this match on your salty till scare, on your salty tear scale. I feel weird giving it the same ranking as the War Games match, but I'm giving two and a half tiers. I mean, it's it at least had a little bit of a flow to it. They tried to tell a little bit of a story with the knee and whatnot, but you know, I might have to I might have to go up a little bit on my women's match. But for now, at least Finn Balor AJ Styles is definitely getting two and a half tiers. And I will agree with you. I will give this match also two and a half tiers. This was disappointing, and I love both guys, but please roll back. TLC 2017, last-minute notice, far better matchup, and the chemistry was on point. This this fell a little bit short for me. Felt like they were going through the motions despite their talent, which was a little sad. Next up is Ronda Rousey versus Shotzi for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Five star. You want to talk? <laughs> oh, Scott, you want to talk about a lame duck championship match? Here's one when the outcome is beyond obvious and I can't find a reason to care. This match was no good. Shasi tried. Ronda did what she did. We had some ankle locks. We had a counter from a crossbody into a slam by Ronda Rousey. Shayna Baszler gets involved. Shasi goes for a dive on Shayna, delivers a crossbody to Ronda and Shayna on top of some plants in the crowd. And it's just a struggle. And we knew the outcome would be academic, a stone cold lock as to what would happen. And ultimately, Ronda Rousey tapped out Shotzi with an armbar. I don't care. But I'm going to let you get your thoughts out before I get mine out regarding this match because I got things to say. I ain't got too much to say. Just just a couple questions. Um, first question, who thought it was a good idea to tell Shotzi and Ronda to do a tornado DDT spot um, from from the, the, the ropes to the ring apron? I, only, I ain't never seen that anyway. And so they thought they was going to do that? That's my first question. Um, second question, this should have been two minutes. Shotzi should have came in hot, hit a couple big moves, maybe did a big dive to the outside, got a one hope spot. Ronda should have slammed her arm bar. Let's go home. Why wasn't it that? Those are my only two questions. I don't know. And I don't know. And I think that the first answer to your question is going to come with who agented this match. And uh, if it's C.J. Wilson, I got words for you because no, just no. And I love T.J.'s agenting, but as of late, dating back to Extreme Rules with that bat situation with Liv Morgan and Ronda Rousey, mm -mm, it's been kind of iffy for me as of late, despite his talents as an agent most of the time. But let me get to the nitty gritty of why I am offended by this match and I'm offended by Ronda Rousey's run as SmackDown Women's Champion. This division 
as it stands right now, is incredibly soft. And Ronda Rousey, when she debuted in 2018, she was a force. She was likable. She was very good at this professional wrestling thing. She exceeded expectations. She was impressive at WrestleMania, was a good Raw Women's Champion at one point. And then we get to Survivor Series, which which tends to be the show to turn people out. She was in her hometown and Charlotte Flair and her had a really good match. Probably my favorite Ronda Rousey match in WWE outside of WrestleMania. And then she gets beat down, destroyed, demolished by Charlotte Flair and the fans cheer for Charlotte Flair and they boo Ronda Rousey as Becky Lynch was on the ascent. And Ronda Rousey takes this very seriously and she's been resentful and bitter ever since. And she's hung on to this anger for the last four years. It's carried through with her return a year ago, I believe. If you don't want to be here, don't be here. If you're going to phone in performances and no sell and do the absolute most, which is least, then don't be here. Because now I'm basically got to wait for Becky Lynch to challenge you for this championship, for you to maybe get up and care about a match at WrestleMania, for you to maybe deliver and give a shit. Your promos are empty to me. They do very little. Your matches are very so-so and average. Your one surprisingly good match was against Raquel Rodriguez on SmackDown, aside of what you did with, with Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania Backlash back in May. Because it's Charlotte Flair and she's a pro's pro and she's not going to phone it in for big match moments like this on her way out the door to get married to Andrade. But you have been in this position for well over six or so months and you lost to Liv Morgan and none of those matches clicked due to chemistry. So here we are. Towards the end of this year, this division is in shambles. I don't see a viable contender unless you bring in Becky Lynch. That's the only answer I've got right now. And you are half-assing every step of the way. I'm supposed to care about you and Shayna Baszler. I don't. I don't care about your partnership. I don't care about you beating up people. It means very little to me. And on top of that, we were in Boston last night. And guess who we heard being chanted for? Sasha Banks, and they turned that shit down immediately because she wasn't going to be there. That's all that you need to know about Rhonda's push when they chant for somebody who's not in the fucking building. And there you go. And if you don't know, now you know. It's about the only that's about the only hit row reference you're gonna hear when it comes to a PLE. <laughs> if they ever make a PLE, I hope they do. That's, I hope that's, they do. that's about all Hit Row is making when it comes to PLE is this doing the review show. That might be the only Patreon yes. they make it. And I'm a fan of Hit Row, but it don't look like they got too much going on. It's it's a struggle right now, man. It's rough in these streets for Hit Row. Not that's about you, all you're gonna get from me. But you're but you're but you're right, Keila. And and you know, I'm somebody who doesn't have a problem with Rhonda, you know, mauling through the division until we get somebody to come. But on the other side of that, she's still got to put forth the effort. And I don't think Shotzi was a, a great opponent to put her in there with, but you could definitely tell that there were points where she just got frustrated. It was like, yo, like, you know, we, what are we doing? And just kind of like, let's just do, let's just go home. But like, I, I agree with you. If she doesn't want to be there, then don't be there. Let, let Shayna hold the belt. Let Shayna rock with the title. And you rock with her until you decide to turn on her and take the belt, because that's still a believable story. You know, it's still, Something that you can tell Shayna can get over doing that too. And now you're getting two people over as you build your way to Becky Lynch. Like, 
again, there's easy ways to do stuff like this to get to the same destination. Ronda doesn't even need the title. Ronda versus Becky doesn't even need a title to be involved. Now look at that. You done got two separate women's matches on the SmackDown brand just like that. What do you know? <laughs> what do you know? Oh, I think it's just a little, little easy thinking. So, yeah, Keela, spot on. Let them know. Tell them again. I could, but we'll run out of time. <laughs> and I don't want to repeat it. But you know what I said. I meant what I said. And it's kind of sad that you take something so personally and you hold on to it. It's not real. Wrestling's not real, Rhonda. Get the fuck over it. Just move on and, and try and be better. Because you were better four years ago. This is half-assing at its worst, and I don't care for it. And it's a detriment to an already thin division that needs Jesus at this point, and he's not coming back anytime soon. So, Sasha, where you at? Can you just give her whatever she wants on her goddamn contract and get her back here as soon as possible? Bring Naomi, bring Charlotte, bring the reinforcements, because this division desperately needs it. Or you could just bring in Piper. Please, <laughs> somebody. Know, just somebody to give it a little juice. Uh, so- somebody. You know? That's... Damn. Anybody from NXT. Tiffany Stratton, maybe. Nah, I'll take her. Nah. I don't know if I, I don't know if I want to see her versus Rhonda. Hell, hell no. Just um, Charlotte. She can be her apprentice. Hey, I'm something. I, that's that's Bianca's that's Bianca's destination right there. But I'm I'm cool with Charlotte coming in and be like, yo, let me just whoop your tail real quick as I had to be ahead to WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> let me just come on and whoop your tail real quick before I go talk to Bianca for the big girls play. Come on, stepping stone. Yeah. Right. On, exactly. 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 Come on, baby Charlotte in three years. Come on, you got it. Bow down to the queen for two months. Better than what we're getting right now. But I've buried this match long enough as we move on to, for my estimation, the best pure match on the show. It was Seth Rollins versus Bobby Lashley versus Austin Theory in a triple threat match for the United States Championship. I loved this match. The energy was fantastic. And Ricochet fired off a great tweet because it's true. Bobby Lashley finds a new way to bleed at the end of every match. Tonight, it was the forehead. And I don't know how he got hurt, but Bobby finds a way to bleed in matches like this, and I love it. Well, I'm still trying to figure out how he got that tiger scar on his chest from a couple (laughs) weeks ago. I'm trying to figure out who sliced him in the middle of a match, whose blade came out of their sleeve and accidentally cut him. Like, where did that come from? Oh, and let's not forget, he was—he had some blood on his arm somewhere before the one on his head. So that dude was busted open early on in the match. Uh, this was a great match. I, I loved everything about this match. I thought that was fantastic. Um, Austin Theory was great. I thought he showed great aggression in this match. Bobby Lashley looked great. Seth Rollins, again, you know, he's another guy that people just don't like personally. But that dude in the ring is... W- in the conversation for best in the world. And I, I, he, he's incredible. I, I, that guy is genuinely incredible in the ring. I love to watch him go. This was a high octane match. It felt like just, you know, this didn't feel like stuff happening for no reason. There was a flow to it. Uh, When a move would happen, 
when Bobby Lashley had Seth um, had Austin Theory in the hurt lock, here came Seth Rollins with a frog splash to break it up. And then there's an immediate pin. There's an urgency to the match. You know, you you the triple threat rules add to that. I really enjoy just urgency is a good word to keep using with that because it felt like that Seth Rollins trying to continue to get his title, Austin Theory trying to get the big pinfall. You know, when they're throwing each other out the ring after a big move. Uh, there was a spot at the end where Seth Rollins comes in, jumps off of Austin Theory's back, hits the curb stomp onto Bobby Lashley. That's got to be where he busted his head open, but I, I, that's a great spot. Lashley put the hurt lock on both of them boys at the same time as they both just flailing around. I wonder what happens if Seth Rollins taps out on Austin Theory's arm. Does that count as a tap out? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like what, what happens if that accidentally happens and the ref's like, oh, well, he's tapping out, right? That's a tap out, you know? So there's stuff like that. that I just really enjoyed the match. I thought it was really good. And they didn't have to do – they didn't do anything crazy. Like, nothing was crazy. Seth Rollins did his normal superplex into the, the Falcon Arrow, so that was a good spot. Well, that actually played into the finish. Uh, he runs up the ropes. And I like that the finish kind of came out of nowhere, too. He goes for the Falcon Air- superplex. Picks him up in the Falcon Arrow. Lashley comes in, hits a spear as he's dropping him down. Austin Theory rolls over on the suplex. One, two, three. Really nice finish. I thought it you know, gave Seth Rollins as he's going into another move. Lashley doesn't see it coming. I think it would have worked better if Lashley maybe would have rolled out the ring unless he did, and I just didn't see that. But I think that probably would have worked out a little bit better. Um, but I... I love the match. This this easily gets four and a quarter tears from me. I woke up. I paid attention for all of this match. It was great. Got off I just, you know, listen, there was no spaces last night. <laughs> the GH spaces were not jumping off. Um, the Discord was. I had to avoid that because I'm a professional. <laughs> but I really loved this match. It was so good. And okay, last week I kind of buried Seth's hair. It's growing on me a little bit. Not ah. gonna lie. Uh, it's just him. It's him. He's charismatic enough to carry the overly blonde hair. Bobby's amazing. Stop bleeding, sir. You're doing too much. Austin Theory is growing on me. And I am almost ready to claim him as an AT alien as a fellow member of a town down and I'm about to slide him like three cheddar biscuits. <laughs> I have to, I knew it was only a matter of time for that boy came in. Hey, look, that's a good looking dude. I knew it was only a matter of time before he was about to get some of them biscuits. Slit. Come on, come on, Austin, go ahead, pull up a chair on me. Go ahead. You got your title back. Oh, Oh, that's what it is. That dude got some bling around his belt. You're like, yeah, you can go ahead and have some biscuits now. Now that you're the champ again. Ah, Wait see what's minute. going on, Keela. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Championships are not required for you to get cheddar biscuits out of me, okay? All you have to do is be good at your job, improve, and have a look. Well, and the let's... beard has helped him tremendously. Let's look at some of the people that you've given Cheddar Biscuits to. You said Sami Zayn. He's obviously around the Tribal Chief. He's around the Tag Champions. A lot of gold around oh there. Uh, oh we, we got we got Ludwig. We got Ludwig. Um, you were claiming him when he was Tag Champion for a while. He's still around the Intercontinental Champion. A lot of gold over there. A lot of gold over there. 
Um, you know, we we've already talked about uh we talked about Austin Theory. Uh Broad Breaker. Is he getting cheddar biscuits? <laughs> <laughs> Is he getting cheddar biscuits? The, the <laughs> You're making me have this criteria that doesn't exist. You don't have. You do not have to have a championship to get at the table. It's a happy coincidence. Madcap doesn't have a championship. He's at the table. Okay, he was the fair. first one at the table. That's fair. That is absolutely true. He, he was he's, the first person invited to the no table. Gold. He ain't got no gold. So yeah. you know I'm not prejudiced when it comes to not having championships to qualify. No doubt. But, but to be fair, to be fair. You did give him the cheddar biscuits when he was with uh, Happy Corbin when he was rich. And what? And <laughs> that's not a championship. He had a poker championship. No. Oh, he had a World Series of uh, poker bracelet on. You didn't see that? Don't you? Don't you dare <laughs> make up shit. <laughs> First of all, like I can't even recognize the World Series of poker because it's on like what Paramount Plus off air. Oh, it's not on even the, on like the an CBS ESPN Sports. Anymore? No, they they oh moved to the CBS Sports Network where no one watches that shit. <laughs> and I don't care about the World Series of Poker anymore. And I used to. I, I love the too. main event. I, I love the final table. But I can't search that shit anymore. <laughs> I have a life. I have a life, okay? I'm not going to be wasting my time on CBS Sports Network, please. No, you're but, right. But... Um, you, you, you proved my point wrong because you did give Madcap. Madcap was the first, and he has... No gold to, to account for. So no, touche. nothing. Touche. Nothing to his name. How dare you accuse me of being a championship clout chaser to qualify people <laughs> to sit at my table at Red Lobster to get some goddamn biscuits. Listen, I'm just calling. It was just a coincidence that all of a sudden Austin Theory could get some cheddar. But when he looks exactly the same, he just happens to have the United States title back around his waist. And his heel turn is better. True that. True that. It's he's he's elevated. He's moved up a, a level that very few can do in two weeks. Okay, true. That. No, no, I I agree hundred percent with that. One hundred percent. I've turned around on this guy. I used to say to hell with him, but now he gets a seat at the table. Rhea Ripley doesn't have a championship, but she's at the table. She's sitting pretty. No, oh, she got she got plenty of gold belts though. They're just not championship belts. Oh my god! You know See. What you give? How many tears you given this match? We have dedicated way too much time to a lot of things that just ranged <laughs> from poker to championships to biscuits to horniness. All of this. Okay, final ranking of this match because of you, I would give it four and a quarter tears. I love the match. Best match on the show outside of a War Games main event. Yeah, really good match. Yes, as we now segue to the main event. It is the men's war games match involving the bloodline who all come out at the same time, rocking red. We got the undisputed WWE Universal Champion Roman Reigns alongside the undisputed WWE Tag Team Champions the Usos alongside the enforcer Solo Sokoa alongside the honorary Us, Sami Zayn Uso versus the Brawling Brutes, Seamus Rich Holland, Butch alongside Drew McIntyre and Kevin Owens. And one aesthetic I love for this match is the fact that Roman Reigns says, listen, um, I ain't standing 
Give me a chair for me to sit, bitch. <laughs> and I like that. I like that energy. Like, fuck the standing up. I'm not standing for 20 minutes. Give me a chair. It might be a low riding chair, but it's a chair. I'm going to be honest. I was half expecting him not to even come out until it was his turn to come to the actual <laughs> match and like do his full <laughs> entrance while he was coming down to the ring. Like, I, I would be honest. I was half expecting that or him to come out with everybody and they're like, all right, I'm going to go to the back. And then when it's my turn, I'll come back out. But like you said, I ain't, I ain't stand. I did, I did enjoy that too. Uh, we had talked about him potentially maybe even having his own cage. I think that would have been an interesting twist. Um, you know, the match starts off again. One thing I've noticed, especially doing the the throwback show that we did again, you know, you know with our good friend JD, who's also part of the Fight Game Media Group. Um, you know, there was a lot more going on in the 1992 version when, you know, the w- during the countdown until the match actually starts than there is now. Like, I, you know, Jay and Butch, they had a nice little exchange and Rich Holland comes in and. He's, you know, he's kind of tossing dudes around, but not a lot's happening. And then we get the story is really what carried this match more than the action in the ring. The action was good, but the story was great. You know, we got we got the backstage exchange uh, with Roman, Jay, and Sammy and all that dynamic. So then Jimmy's about to go back, go out there and go rescue his brother. And, and Roman's like, nah, hold on. Sammy, you go out there. Sammy, little thing, storytelling. Slowly walking to the ring, hesitating a little bit to run in there two on one. You know, Jimmy would have ran in there. Jimmy would have ran in there and helped his brother, no doubt. Soon as he got in there, he would have ran in, jumped on them boys, whether he got beat down or not, because that's what you do. Sammy's like, that's Jay. That ain't Jimmy in there. That ain't Solo in there. That ain't Roman in there. So I, I like that. That's good storytelling. He kind of played it slow. And then when Jay attacked him from behind and Sammy saw an opening, then he ran in weaseled his way in uh so then they kind of keep going that way so that that's a good start to the match i thought it was good storytelling and the jay and sammy dynamic uh kind of carried this match throughout even the post match and everything going forward i thought it told a great story too i thought it was very important for roman to say to sammy prove your loyalty to me defend jay and jay was like do i trust him do i not trust him so i like that thread of the story very much. But once again, it felt like we were killing time until Roman's time was up. And I have to give Roman credit. He could have been very selfish and had a five minute entrance, but he got to the ring in under a minute. And for that, I appreciate him as McIntyre got in there, suplexing the Usos at one point. And then we get Roman Reigns. And that is when the story really begins as War Games took silver turns towards the end of this match. And one other thing I do want to talk about as far as the entrances and kind of how they set that up, they've done a really good job with Solo Sokoa. And the way they placed him right before Roman, so he got to kind of take out everybody and have some nice moments in this match. They've done a really good job of establishing him as kind of this this monster. Um, there's a point in the match where Kevin Owens and him are, are trading in the middle, in between the rings, and Owens hits him with like a big punch and then hits him with a super kick. Then tries to power bomb him and he ends up getting backdropped. And like they've done a really good job of establishing kind of solo and, and what he brings to the table. So I liked how they set that up. Um, you know, Roman coming in and really kind of destroying every not destroying, but really kind of running through everyone was interesting. I liked the face off they had. 
uh, you know, the bloodline and the all red versus uh, the, the baby faces, the brutes, and Ke- essentially the the brutes and, and Kevin Owens and, and, and Drew McIntyre. So it was interesting, but. I mean, you know, we get down to it. They start going back and forth. And Jay and Sammy, they done pushed each other. Jimmy's trying to hold the peace. He's trying to keep everyone together. At one point, uh, Butch, I think it was either Butch or maybe it was Rich Holland, was trying to slam Jay into the uh, the cage. Sammy pulls him back. So there's a lot of good storytelling going on in this match. Um, you know, it, for, for me, again, the story. Story is just so important in a match like this because – it's hard to just do a big monster type of spot fest like this when you're not going to get like the blood and you're not going to get kind of the the extra stuff that you might get in other places where we've seen a match like AEW does the blood and gut. So you you've seen this match at a much more physical rate, higher, you know, especially with the blood that they'll throw in there. So you have a story is so important. And we see that the difference between this and the women's match. And I, I think that that Sammy just played his role perfectly throughout this entire thing. He was brilliant throughout this main event. And that is what was missing from the women's match. A story that would hook you emotionally, a story that will make you care a story that's going to pay dividends months for now. And we've been waiting for this story with Sammy and the bloodline to unfold. And what's so great about the storyline is the fact it can go in a number of directions and either direction they go in will work for me. And when Jay accidentally air quote kicked Sammy, that was a moment. Jimmy was like, what are you doing? Almost got into it with his brother, but they went back and focused on Butch and the rest of the brawling brutes. But then we get the showdown between Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens beforehand. Solo puts Drew McIntyre through a table, the spinning solo. Love that. Then it's time for Roman and Kevin Owens to renew their rivalry after a couple of years. And they do not miss a beat. The fans love this back and forth fight. Kevin Owens drops Roman with the pop-up powerbomb and the stunner for the win. The referee goes one, two, goes for the three with the cadence. And then Sami Zayn holds up the hand at the last possible moment. Normally, I hate that spot. This time I'll allow it because it told a great story. And it's Sammy and Kevin Owens staring back and forth. They're best friends. And Rome is holding Kevin Owens' leg. And he says, oh, this is your family. This is who you love. This is who you're rocking with. What about me? We're family. We're best friends. Been through a lot. What about us? And Sammy Zane's conflicted. He doesn't know what to do. But he decides to low blow Kevin Owens and KO goes down and Sammy feels immediate remorse. He feels bad about it, but he gives Roman the look saying, you know what? You're my family now. And he delivers a halluva kick to Kevin Owens in the corner. And the way he holds Kevin showing mercy, like I love you, but I love them a bit more. He drops him to the mat. And then he tells Jay, the right-hand man, the man he's been trying to win over for months to say, Hey, pick the bones. Take care of business. Go up top. Splash them. Get the win. And Jay does it. And after the match is over, the bloodline standing tall. And Roman Reigns embraces Sami Zayn wholeheartedly. And Michael Cole knows some commentary. You know what? He's not going to be an honorary oos anymore. He's going to be a full-blown oos when this is over. Sammy Uso's in the building. And the moment that got me 
besides the handshake between Jimmy and 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 Sammy was the fact that Jey Uso, number one player hater, embraced, picked up, and hugged Sammy, and the crowd erupts in cheers. This is a hill faction, but they love this goddamn story, and so do I. I loved it. Sammy rips off the shirt, but you can still sense, despite everything he just did, he feels remorse about hurting his best friend because now he's in the clique. He's a part of the cool club and it's too good to resist. And we know one day very soon, the other shoe is going to drop. And that is when the real story begins. Yeah, it was a great finish to the match. Um, Really good. It's just the whole dynamic that was very interesting because you've now essentially you know, the bloodline has essentially destroyed the top five baby faces on the roster. You know, you can say Sami Zayn's a baby face, but right now at this moment, what do you do with Roman Reigns? Who do you even throw out there as a challenger? What could you, how can you possibly throw any one of these five out there? Why would I want to see, I mean, I get what you, I get what they did with Kevin Owens and, you know, they showed him essentially, again, having another visual victory over him, but, he just lost. Like they, you just had the the biggest baby faces you have, all just got beat down pretty handily by the top group in the company. So it's like, wh- where do you go from here? I guess Kevin Owens, but that's somebody you really gotta you gotta save that. Like I, I, I guess you do it for the Royal Rumble. They had a match at the Royal. I think it was at the Royal Rumble. They had a match as well, so you could do it there. But I just, I wonder about what you do when you take out your entire babyface roster. When you had Sammy right there to take the loss, like Sammy could have taken the loss, but now with him fully enshrined in the group, I wonder. And and nobody like love nothing but love everywhere. I wonder if now Roman's like, all right, Jay take Sammy out and Jay's like what nah and and now that's the story of Jay being conflicted and then what if the whole end game is everyone turns on Roman and Roman's the head of the table but no one sits at the table anymore because if they all leave then what's Roman gonna do so like there's so many different avenues and, and places you can take this I'm on board with Kevin Owens taking the title off of like Sami Zayn staying with the group and Kevin Owens just be like, you know what? Screw all of you. I'm just, I'm just going through everyone. Like I, I, I love that. I have no idea where the story's going. It's very unpredictable. And Kevin Owens is probably my Teflon Don in WWE that he can survive this. He still has not, been pinned by Roman Reigns. Jay picked up the scraps last night because of Sami Zayn. He had another visual pinfall over Roman Reigns. This is an ultimate message I got next. And he's the one that can cut a promo, tell the story to explain this betrayal of his best friend and how they can delve into rebuilding that friendship months for now. 
And they can do something at the Royal Rumble, but better yet, you can do something in Montreal for Elimination Chamber. You don't have to have Roman in a chamber match. Let it be Roman versus KO. That would be a hell of an atmosphere. We know there is some logistics with the Usos possibly not getting into that country due to legalities, but you can do something with Sammy, KO, and Roman in that atmosphere to really pop that crowd heading into WrestleMania. And I know that Triple H might have some ideas baked in for maybe The Rock or Cody Rhodes, but in this situation right now, I think there is so much equity and there is so much overness with Sami Zayn that you can't resist going all the way with either guy at this point. This is the story I would lean into heading into WrestleMania, a guy who is over when he's not even there. He generates chance and he's not physically present. That's power. That's somebody being over that can really move things for this company in the proper direction. And it's all organic. And I hope they lean into that and don't just think about, let's see what we can do structurally for WrestleMania. Think about what you can do in the moment. This guy and Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens are over right now. And either scenario works for me because it's going to result in somebody being over and possibly beating Roman Reigns for the first time in well over two years. I think you could even have, I think you could have Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn main event that entire pay-per-view, to be honest with you. You could open with the Elimination Chamber and the crowd will, if you put them two in the main event, the crowd will absolutely elevate that entire match. And that way you don't even have to have Roman defend the title on that, on that show. And, but he can still be a part of the show. The bloodline can still be a part of the show and you can still have a main event worthy uh, match. And, and again, and that could be, if you do do Kevin Owens versus Roman Reigns, because I, I must, if you do that, you have to have two titles at that point. There has to be two separate titles because Cody Rhodes is winning the Royal Rumble. That that's happening. That's book it, book your flights, do all that's that's happening. So I would, I am not opposed to Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn. If Kevin Owens beats Sami Zayn, he goes to wrestle Roman Reigns for the Universal Title. I'm cool with that. I think that works. You give them a huge main event in Montreal for the Elimination Chamber. I'm cool with that. I like that. I think that's dope. And it's a different, it's, it's, Roman's not on the pay-per-view. You can have them main event. The crowd will be with it. They're going to absolutely be on fire for that match. So if you do it like that, that's cool. But Cody's winning the Rumble. So you got to figure something else out if we're going to do KO, which you could do. Or, Maybe Roman has to defend the titles on night one and night two. Possibly. And Cody's definitely winning the Rumble. We don't doubt it for a second. But in the back of my mind, I feel like we need to do Seth versus Cody for for a championship. Maybe Seth still is the championship heading into WrestleMania. I don't know how, how he will do it. But to me, it's the rare case of four matches hitting differently every single time and that's a fallback too there's money in cody versus seth part four there is money versus roman and or Sami Zayn or kevin owens at wrestlemania there is equity there that i would buy into because it's organic and it perfectly makes sense and what's great about this road to wrestlemania is that it can go in any direction and it's not going to be a bad direction it's all about who's got the hot hand and who you're going to go with and how you're going to make it make sense at the end of the day and then, then that's that's the thing, you know, and Sammy's hot right now. And I'm not saying they're going to cool off, but, you know, when Cody does come like it, and I know we're talking about what like what's going to happen, you know, months at a time, months away. But 
when Cody comes back, like that is going to change the dynamic of things as far as reactions and just how people, you know, are going to, and what they're going to want. So I do think we kind of need to see how things look with all the chips on the table, because that's, that's going to be very telling. Like you, it's just hard for me to picture WrestleMania without Cody in the main event, but the react, but you just laid out the reactions that guys like Sammy and KO are getting. It's like, I mean, and we've, you've taught, you've laid out the, the other scenario of them being in the tag scene and winning the tag title. So there's so many things you could do, but there's just there's certain things that we know are penciled in. You know, Roman in the main event, Cody in the main event. That's penciled in. So it's just how do you fit all the other pieces in there? It's it's interesting. I just I wish this show would have been better getting there. Agreed, because you have one big storyline in WWE that's clicking. And that's why sometimes it's best to have one War Games match to tell yes. one really strong story. It's a great umbrella story. I feel for the Babyface team outside of Kevin Owens. I think Sheamus will be okay. He'll bounce back with Gunther eventually. Drew McIntyre, I pray for him because you got Karrion Cross still most likely. And just, mm, you know, I feel bad for Drew because he deserves so much better. He really does. And, you know, I talked about missing the traditional elimination tr- match. Why couldn't the women do the traditional five-on-five Survivor Series match? And again, we could have gotten to the exact same destination we got to. Becky Lynch and Bianca could have been the final two. They could have cornered Bailey. They could have came back from a three-on-two deficit. They pinned Bailey to win. I mean, why not? You pin or <laughs> Bailey just walks out, or Bailey just walks out yes. and you pin Dakota Kai. Like you can. There are ways to do this, man, and get the. And now, like you said, Keila, we have one War Games match, and we didn't just see every single possible spot you could do. I mean, like I said, we saw three dives off the top of the cage in one War Games match. The first match on the show! So it's, again, you're not doing yourself any favors by, by, like, and and you're you're a woman, you know, and and so please tell me, cut me off, tell me if I'm if I'm wrong for saying this, but I don't agree with the notion of just having the war games match just to have it. If the women's match is built up more, then have it for the women and not the men. If the men's match is built up more, have it for the men and not the women. I absolutely agree. I think it comes down to the story. What story is going to be told better within war games? For me, from day one, it was Bloodline and Brawling Brutes alongside Kevin Owens and Drew McIntyre. The Damage Control and Bianca Belair story ran its course probably dating back since before Crown Jewel when Bailey lost a ladder match at Extreme Rules and they kept running the match back and running the feet into the ground on Monday Night Raw. You get tired and you don't want to have a match to overcompensate for a storyline that's lacking. You can do a traditional five on five elimination, an elimination match at Survivor Series and call it a day. That's why I like the fact we're weaning away from these gimmick specific pay-per-views, whether it's Hell in a Cell or War Games. You need to strip away these gimmicks and have a story that makes sense, that's applicable to a storyline that would actually benefit from a War Games. And you're not wrong. I feel the same way because the storyline for months for the ladies has been lacking. And for me, 
it made no sense to have this in war games when the storyline fell short to me. And when you're doing spots for a highlight reel and not to tell a true story in that ring to build people up to get them over, that's a problem. And that is where the psychology and the storytelling lacked in that match and how this match involving the bloodline and the brawling brutes alongside KO and Drew McIntyre clicked because there's a story with so many layers heading into WrestleMania and beyond because there's so many stories to play out with so many players involved. I mean, it was an by by all accounts and from what we saw in the first match, it was an incredibly tame War Games match. There's a few table spots, and and I don't mean that it wasn't a high impact match, but there wasn't nothing crazy in that match. It just told a really good story that kept every everyone involved and intrigued. And once Roman got in the match, everybody was like, "All right, let's get it popping. Let's get to it." Like that's all I ask. You don't have to do a lot. I'm gonna give it three and three quarters salty tears. I will share your sentiments. I agree. Very good main event. Not blow away, but it was more about the story than the action, which is a good thing sometimes as well. So with that, that is a wrap for Survivor Series War Games. Our final score for this show on a scale from one to 10 tiers, Perky. I'm going to give it five, five, five tiers from me. I will also give it five tiers out of 10. And like we said, it's better than Raw versus SmackDown, but some dream matches such as Bianca and Ronda Rousey and Gunther versus Bobby Lashley, which we dreamed about earlier this year, (laughs) did not come to fruition. We hyped it up and it killed it. And it made us very sad. We couldn't even get Seth versus Gunther last night. So that's a drawback in terms of really good dream matches that make sense on paper. But you still have to incentivize why we're having these matches at War Games. Storylines are great, but stakes need to be added for the Warrior Rumble and draft considerations to really make this concept click. We took steps in the right direction, but we basically did a whole match at the top of the show for a highlight reel package for next year's War Games. And to me, we got to stop that. We need a better story for the women's division for both Raw and SmackDown heading into the new year to justify this match next year. Yeah, and and I, I'm I'm with you on the whole like like this doesn't need to become like a November staple like it's not the it's not the concept that's broken it's just the reasoning behind the concept all you have to do is just give a reason why we're having these matches like why why can't they just give up the thirty spot like why is that why 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 won't they just let that be like you could easily do that in the men's and women's matches and just have one like. I don't know, man. They make things WWE just going WWE sometimes. There's nothing we can do about it. That's why we sit back I and know. watch this these hours of TV for you all, and so that way y'all don't have to. We do the work for you in 90 minutes or less every week right here on the wrap. A public service, a public service for our dear listeners out there who we greatly appreciate. And with that, we are going to bid you adieu until next weekend. Or next week, I should say, as we approach the final month of the year, there are no PLEs in December outside of NXT deadline going down in a couple of weeks at the PC, the final, final show of the year. We'll cover that. The Rap Awards is coming up as well. Got some bonus shows. We got to mull over as well to really end the year on a high note. But this is going to be the driest period of WWE programming until the Warrior Rumble. God help us all. 
Is Deadline the one where Walker, Sean, Michael, Texas Ranger <laughs> decided to create a, a King of the Mountain scramble match? <laughs> is, 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 that, is that the show? Is that the show you're talking about? Because I can't wait to review that one. Oh, God. The mathematics and the timing the and the, the time people, the timeout, the penalty box. <laughs> And the fifth person having less time to get pinfalls. Yeah, we're going to talk about all of that for deadline. We are going to have, have to have our notes ready, our calculators. We're going to cheat. We're going to do some SAT math questions. I'm looking forward to this with Scott. We're going to brainstorm and we're going to strategize for this very complicated ass match because Walker, Texas HPK decided to overcomplicate shit for the last show of the year. Thanks a lot, Sean. Thanks a fucking lot. <laughs> It's just, I'm just like, dude, just, just have a five way. <laughs> you do it all the time. Just have a five or a gauntlet match. <laughs> but, but you always want to try and be hip and new in the NXT. So let's try this one out. All right. Last scramble they had, Brian, the Brian Kendrick became WWE champion <laughs> for about three minutes. And I, oh, and they also also had Shelton Benjamin in their match, but they couldn't get that man the belt for even like a minute. They couldn't have that man win the title for even one minute in that match. But the Brian Kendrick got to walk around after he pinned Triple H for like five minutes. Ridiculous. We we could not give reparations for Shelton Benjamin for five minutes. That's why Bianca got this title in right here. Triple H Triple H got a lot of reparations. He know he was like, nah, Shelton, I can't let Shelton win the title in this match. Put it on. Give it to Brian Kendrick. I can. You, you, y'all remember what I said to Booker T? Y'all remember what I said? I already let that you man people. beat me three times. He ain't beat me no more. See, that's why we got the Bianca Reign to make up for twenty years of reparations. What do you want to make up for Hit Row? Let's see here. Um, I need a hundred acres and a mule. No, ten mules. Acres and a mule. <laughs> 10 mules, 10, 10 mules and 100 acres. Listen, Hero, they're going through it right now and they're losing to Viking people. Valhalla. No. Valhalla. Like, I remember that from Charm 20 years ago. I like it there versus here now. But I digress as we say goodbye, as we try not to be too shady on the way out the door. But we'll be back next Monday, recapping the highs and lows for Monday Night Raw, NXT, and of course, Friday Night SmackDown going down at FS1 because of college football on Big Fox. So for myself and for Perky Scott Young, that's a wrap on War Games at Survivor Series. Take care. Bye-bye.